Hello and welcome to episode 34 of Checking the Gate podcast, a podcast where every month uh, we look at a different movie and TV show and analyze it for its religious content. I am Robert Wright Stasco. And I am Michael M. Patty, and we are doing neither of those things in this episode, as we will explain <laughs> in just a few moments. Yes, today we're going to be looking at Disney's Frozen and uh, Resurrection, which is on ABC, which is owned by Disney. Oh, yes. It's a Disney special today. I didn't realize that. Well, it's a small world after all. <laughs> all right. So let's get started. Um, let's look at let's look at Frozen. And we hinted on this and at the end of our last episode. It's like, Frozen? How is that movie religious? And that would be... Michael's first question, and you recently watched Frozen, Mike. What do you th- what did you think overall of the quality of this movie? Uh, it was okay. I'll give it this: it was better than Brave, which I thought was going to be better, and uh, ended up just being every Disney movie I'd ever seen. This one was most Disney movies I've ever seen, but it had enough new stuff to be fresh. It had female leads, which I think a lot of Disney movies had, but it's apparently a novelty since The Little Mermaid. (laughs) So that was something for the little girls. But at the same time, being a grown man, I found enough in it to keep me entertained. Uh, The songs are Broadway ready. Uh, I fully expect this to be produced on stage before you know and winning Tony's. Uh, before you know it, the voice cast was excellent. Idina Menzel can sing. Kristen Bell, I I was surprised. I she didn't do that in forgetting Sarah Marshall, so good for her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, that being said, I have a lot of story nitpicks. I don't know that we're going to bother to go into them all because that's not really what we're here to talk about. I just couldn't, in, in in summary, Elsa has ice powers, but they lock her away to keep her from hurting her sister, which I can kind of understand, but at the same time, wouldn't it have made more sense to try to get her to, you know, okay, well, you hurt your sister, we fixed her. You know, maybe don't take her to the trolls, and don't listen to their bad advice about keeping them separate, and making her sister forget how about just like being more careful and making it a teachable moment or you know helping her learn to use her powers because right. they don't teach her to use her powers they lock her in a room and then she goes crazy yes <laughs> you know so you got a crazy girl with uh, superhuman powers and of course bad right. things are going to happen yeah and I'll, I'll save the rest of it for when we get talking about the quote-unquote religious aspects because that you know what the the actual message of the movie is a little more what I had in mind when I said I had had story criticisms and so we'll we'll save those yeah to get to answer your question overall uh, I liked it I thought it was cute my wife wants to buy it see I didn't yeah. like it all that much I thought it was too much of a girls movie there wasn't I, 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 maybe maybe because I, I looked at her powers and, and you thought this way too it, it was very x menish she, you know, yes, I, I clearly thought she was a cross between Iceman and Magneto. Yeah. Which is awesome, by the way. 
Yeah, and like uh, when she sings her her big show-stopping number, you know, Let It Go, uh-huh. which all the little girls seem to be singing on the school bus that I drive. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it drives I, some I of the will, other bus I drivers crazy. I will admit I have, I have belted Let It Go a time or two myself. Yes. The, the cold doesn't bother me anyways. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Here I stand in the light of day. She figures <laughs> out how to use yeah. her powers. She builds that big castle. That was actually kind of cool. Yeah, I I wish she had had a bigger part. I wish it had been as much about her as her sister. I wish it had been balanced a little better. Yeah, she's the the misunderstood bad guy. I never thought she was even a bad guy. Yeah, well, the real villains are the the people who are trying to kill her, so, but... Which which I thought was, again, with a plot criticism, while we're on the subject, why do they have to be princes and princesses? Aren't we past that? Uh, why did the one prince have to be a villain? That seemed extraneous. Yeah, yeah. You know, because he's really only a villain in the one scene. Why couldn't that scene have just been rewritten? Like he just says he doesn't love her and can't make her better, I, and I, not why? Why not drop his being a villain? The, the movie loses nothing. It, it's because yeah, <laughs> he's it's... not villainous any other time in the movie. Yeah, it's. Yeah. There's no menace from him whatsoever. He's not he's Disney's not... best villain. He's no Scar. <laughs> no. <laughs> he's no Maleficent, which is also getting her own misunderstood bad guy treatment. But we'll, we'll, maybe we can talk about that another time. Yeah, I, I just thought it was too much of a girls' movie for my enjoyment. So I've, I've talked about this before. I think when we did Les Mis, I just not a musical person. So I've never really enjoyed the the Disney musicals like Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast. Not my favorites. You know, to each their own. Which surprises me because you're a musician. Uh, yeah, but those songs are so formulaic, and the I don't know. I, I like I like music that surprises me and keeps me interested. I guess that's why I listen to a lot of prog rock. Yeah, okay. So I all right, all right. I buy that. <laughs> um so, All right, so now that we've complained about the movie, please explain to the audience why we chose this movie which has virtually no apparent religious content. Well, because well, a lot of people are looking at this movie and I guess because Christians are starved for entertainment that is clean and sanitized and has a, a kind of a preachy tone to it. They look at this movie and say, oh, wow, there's a lot of themes that we could use in our Sunday school. Themes of sacrifice and themes of, you know, love and laying down your life for your brother and, you know, that sort of thing. Because at the end of the movie, I get the characters' names confused. Could you... Uh, Elsa is the queen. Yes. Uh, and Anna is the sister. Okay. So Elsa has accidentally frozen her sister's heart again. Don't it, you hate when that happens? Yeah. Th- so then Anna knows that the bad guys are coming after Elsa, so she tries to save her sister, and in the moment, uh, her heart freezes and her whole body freezes, but she sticks out a hand to ward off the, the sword blow from the bad guys trying to kill Elsa. And because apparently, and... and that's another nitpick, everybody apparently in this town is an idiot who, you know, they see her freeze the town, and they all think going to get her and talking to her will unfreeze it. And I said out loud as I'm watching the movie, 
She can't unfreeze it. She has ice powers, not heat powers. Yeah, I I don't know. And then eventually enough time in the movie passes where she admits as much, and I wasn't surprised. Anyway, please continue. But doesn't the town, like, thaw out, like, magically at the end? Yes. Okay. Yes, it does. It's magic. I, I think we're I think we're meant to believe that she figures out with great power comes great responsibility and she learns to control her powers. But wait, there is there another movie that teaches us that? Fireproof? <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. But anyways but, you know, the the Christians say look I'm talking uh, like I'm not one of them, I'm sorry. There are some people who watch the movie and see that that self-sacrifice as being very Christ-like. And then, because of that sacrifice, her heart warms up and she comes alive again and there's a happy ending. And So, basically, the character dies and comes back to life, which is also Christ-like in people's minds. And it, it, because of these themes, it's like, oh, wow, well, there's a Christian message to this movie. But that's... <laughs> But that's that, not what I think the message of this movie yeah, is. Yeah. Well, I, my, you know, we, my wife and I watch this because uh, my wife is a photographer, and she has a lot of little girls dressed up like Elsa come in, you know, with the gloves and everything. So she's like, "Well, maybe I should see this movie, see what it's about." And I, I told her about how some people are thinking that you know these are some of the themes that uh, that people see and, and want to see. She's like, "I don't see that." Christ said, yeah, it's one thing to love your family. Don't even the evil people do that? It's much greater to love your enemy. And it's like, oh, yeah, that is, is so this is not really a christian theme movie. I mean, there, it's wholesome. Yeah, it's yeah. wholesome, but I wouldn't say it's, it's it, yeah, it's, it's, it's biblical. Christian yeah, because she's protecting her sister, and anyone would do that, really. And, and there's nothing wrong with that, but it's not explicitly Christian. Yeah. And, um, and plus in, in, you were saying that there's some other themes in this movie that <laughs> might overshadow yeah, that. I think, and this is just having watched it last night and this morning, my impression is that she is by herself. She has this thing that she keeps hidden that nobody else would understand. People finally find out about it and she's ostracized. And eventually she's driven, she's driven out. That's what ostracized means. She's driven yeah. out. She goes off by herself, but then eventually she is welcomed back into the town. And to make the comparison again, I thought very much of the X-Men, you know, like Iceman. Yeah. And I, I said out loud, have you tried not being a mutant? <laughs> and... As we all know from 14 years and seven movies, the X-Men is about, it's a metaphor for being an outcast in society, and specifically at least the first and second movies dealing with coming out as homosexual. Yeah. I mean, not entirely, of course. There are action movies, too. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But... But that is... That is... That, that is ob I mean, that has been admitted as such. Yeah, and, and and some of the this, actors who in the X Men movies who are gay have yeah uh, said yeah this is what this is about yeah and it, at least from their perspective and their point of view and and there's yeah fine, so it know, was so. it was clear to me that at least subtext now obviously they're not aiming that 
that specific message about homosexuality at six-year-olds. But it's clear to me that it's about, to use a, a common phrase, letting your freak flag fly. Yeah. It's about being yourself and being whoever you are. And, right. and it, it's okay, whatever it is. It gets better. Yeah. I think that's more the message of the movie. Yeah. I don't think it, I also don't think it's an accident that uh, Elsa's doesn't have two boyfriends in the course of a hundred minutes. <laughs> like, like her sister does. Yeah. I think that's very deliberate. Yeah. And maybe I'm reading too much into it. I don't know. Like I said, that's just, that's just what I caught. Yeah. Well, you're, you're not the only one. Yeah. There's an article. It's in the, on the, I found it on the website for the National Catholic Register. It actually came up on the CTG podcast Twitter feed, and I was like, ooh. And so it kind of gave me the idea to do this. Um, okay. The, the first article I found was um, How Christian is Disney's Frozen by Stephen Gerdanis, who writes for Christianity Today and Catholic World Report. And it, it's a very well-written article, um, kind of rebutting some of the other articles that have popped up on uh, like BeliefNet, where they had the the slideshows like, okay, look at this scene and isn't it Christian? And look at it this scene and isn't it Christian? And he's like, no, you got to look at the whole thing and it's not very Christian. He also has an article called, well, how gay is Disney's Frozen? And he touches on it's a, it's pretty gay. <laughs> yeah, he touches on a lot of the the things that that uh, that you brought up. So I think the you know there's important themes of acceptance because we want to ostracize people for for what seems like dumb things, but to these people it it, it hurts. Like one thing that it it doesn't seem like we we should ostracize people for, but actually do, is for example being red-haired. My wife and I were just watching a documentary on Netflix about this guy who had red hair and he was. You know, just made fun of by everybody his entire life, and only okay. after making this movie did he find acceptance for having red hair. You know, uh, it's, you know, like okay. being the redheaded stepchild, and you know, you're unattractive and unappealing, and just little I, jokes if, made your way. And, and you know, it's the same none sort of the, of none of the redheads I have ever known have had that problem. They have all been fantastic people. Yeah. I know some some redheads who are very they're like paranoid and they think that everyone is talking bad about them and did she say that about me or she said and it's it may not be paranoia it might be actual <laughs> it might have a reason to feel the way they feel yeah, but just magnify that a thousand times if you're gay um, yeah so I you know like I said I have friends who are gay some of them are out and some are not. And I really feel bad for those who want to be Christian and be active in the church and they can't be themselves because, you know, they're ostracized. And, uh, you know, Jesus himself ate and hung out and had fun with the so-called sinners and tax collectors that, that, you know, we say that and we're like, well, what was bad about tax collectors? Well, tax collectors were like the, uh, the mob. Yeah, kind of, but uh, they're they're more like the uh, they're more like traders, you know, because they were they were Jewish people who were working for the working for the Roman government and doing their okay. dirty work for them. So, so uh, they weren't like the mob at all. They they would shake you down for money and stuff, you know. 
right, because right. you know they charge you a little more because then they get to keep the extra. But three percent Har- for looking in the mirror twice. <laughs> <laughs> but these are the kind of people that Jesus hung out with—the people that no one else wanted to hang out with. And in the church today, and I think I've said this before, gay people are are the they're they're the sinners, they're the tax collectors, they're the lepers. You know, we don't call them gay people. They're they're homosexuals. And it's like, well, you know, and another thing that people like to say, which is horrible, is like, well, love the sinner and hate the sin. Well, if you call a person by the sin, you're not you're not making a difference. You're yeah, not de- you're still you're not, hating something. You're not you're not making that delineation, and you're hating yeah. the person. So you know, you know, and we've uh, you know we've talked about the Westboro Baptist Church, and we've hit on this theme before in uh, in Red State. So Jesus calls us to love. I don't know. Maybe we should show this movie in church, not because of the self-sacrifice and the the very thin connection you can draw to <laughs> to any kind of Christian message, but because of the rather more apparent message of acceptance. There you uh, go. I like that idea. All right. What's your final judgment then on on Frozen? Let your freak flag fly, <laughs> indeed. <laughs> Let it go. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> what more needs to be said? Yeah. I watched it once and I got my enjoyment out. But if if I want to watch a movie about acceptance, I think maybe I'll go see the new X-Men movie. There you go. It's fantastic. I think I'll go see it tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's move on, shall we? Yes. Let's move on to TV Corner. Yeah. Uh, today in TV Corner, we are watching uh, Resurrection, a new show on ABC that only ran for eight episodes in its first season, but got picked up for a second. Yes, I did hear that. So, and a good thing too, because it would have been another show that ends on a cliffhanger that get canceled. So at least we're, we'll get some resolution. But shall I do like the the rundown? Since please I... do. I only had time to watch the first episode. Yeah, I, I actually I just finished watching all of them. It wasn't the best show, but <laughs> but it was pretty good. I I think Omar Epps was compelling enough, and he know, he seemed yeah. at least more interesting in the one episode I saw of this than in the three or four years of ER that he was on. Oh yeah, <laughs> but yeah, he drives the story so. The resurrection starts with a little boy. He wakes up in a rice field somewhere in Asia, and I think they said China. Yeah, he gets uh, brought back to the United States by Omar Epps' character, um, who is a immigration officer. Which didn't make a whole lot of sense because if he wasn't talking and didn't give them a name or a home country, they wouldn't just ship him back to the U.S. But oh, whatever, get... they've got to get the plot moving. Yeah. So he he goes back, they bring him back to his home, and they find out that he's actually been dead for, I think, 30 years or something? 32. 32, yeah. And, but who's counting? And uh, his mother and father look more like his grandparents now, played by um, Kurtwood Smith, Red Foreman, to one generation. Clarence Boddicker. And Clarence Thanks. to another. <laughs> and... Uh, 
Yeah, I always yeah. see Clarence when. Yeah, he's he's Red Foreman to me. I I didn't <laughs> like RoboCop. Uh, I I watched RoboCop at an earlier age than I think I should have. So. <laughs> yeah, I I watched it at a later age than I think I should. Have. <laughs> you gotta find that butter zone about thirteen. That's who that movie's geared towards. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just the end of it when they're turning into mutants and. Yeah. That's that's when they lost me. Anyway. Anyways. Sorry. Rabbit hole. Sorry, uh, dear listeners of CTG Podcast. So it turns out this little boy, his childhood friend, grew up to be the pastor of the local church. Hey, uh, Robert, can I interrupt you for a second? Did you recognize that guy? Yeah. What was he on? V. Yeah. Wasn't he the pastor in V? No. Um... Uh, Joel Gretsch was the pastor in V. He was he was a visitor. He was the traitor visitor that was helping. Oh, them. that's right. That's right. So yeah, I knew. I was thinking V. I, that's right. Well, the pastor in V. Wasn't he on Eureka? No, no. He just looks like the guy in Eureka. Oh, okay. he was on um, some other sci-fi show. He was on Forty Four Hundred. It was on USA. He oh, was on Forty Four Hundred. Okay. okay, that's what I, it was. Yeah, I knew and this. and he was in the Taken miniseries that was on Sci-Fi. Ah, and he is William Shatner's son-in-law. That is more than I ever <laughs> dreamed of knowing, and that's awesome that you had that. You just had that in your hip pocket. I. <laughs> it came up when he was in Taken, and I just he keeps popping up. I don't yeah. know what he's doing now. Yeah, there's there's some sci-fi pedigree in this show, which kind of wants to make me think it's kind of a sci-fi show, but it. It never really goes in that direction because it never kind of explains why. Because um, people are coming back to life, basically. And the show is about how the people who have not died yet are dealing with this. Uh, there's a lot of drama given to the, the parents of the first boy, uh, Jacob, who comes back to life. And are they going to accept him? or Is he the same? Is he different? Is he, like, evil in some way? They kind of hint at this. Uh, the next guy who comes back, his name is Caleb. He was uh, he died of a heart attack, like, 10 years, 20 years earlier. But he, it turns out, in the course of the show, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen the show yet, I'm giving you fair warning so you can Sp- plug your spoil, ears. Yeah, spoil me like crazy. It turns out he was a bank robber and died the day of the big job after he pulled it off. So he tries to, you know, rob the bank again and uh, gets caught. And as Omar Epps is talking to him in the jail, he up and disappears. So there's sort of this mystery. And so, okay, why did he show up and then why did he disappear again? And so that adds an extra level of drama because, well, what about the little boy? Is he going to disappear? Well, in the meantime, I mentioned the little boy's uh, best friend, the who grew up to be the pastor. He's had some difficulty, and this is the interesting part. This is the part that we want to pay attention to. He's accepted Jacob as coming back to life, and uh, but other people in the church think that he might be evil or this is unnatural. And so there's um, a character who's also in, in sci-fi. I think she was in Invasion of the Body Snatchers. I think about it. She's the uh, the church director she's the i want to say that she's on the board of directors she's a church busybody and so she they have a secret meeting on the pastor is like well we've decided that 
um, if anyone else comes back that they're not allowed in the church and this little boy cannot be in the church because it, it disrupts Finn. It, and so he's like, wait, it, this is, you can't do this. This is my church. And as soon as he what's says that, he realizes it's the, the wrong thing to say. What's her name? Veronica Cartwright as Helen Edgerton. Oh, I know who that is. She was um, the other woman in Alien. Yes. And Invasion, a couple episodes of Six Feet Under. I don't know if this is the right person or not. She wasn't in the episode I saw. Yeah. Oh, my God. That was her from The X-Files. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Veronica Cartwright. Yeah, that's her. I had no idea that was the same person from... She played a big... Well, a recurring part on X-Files. Yeah. Yeah, known for Alien, The Birds, Witches of Eastwick, and Flight of the Navigator. Okay. All right, cool. Yeah, and she was an Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Um, oh, okay. She's the one that comes up to Donald Sutherland at the end, and he points and screeches at her. So I was right. She would have been like a little girl then, right? Uh, she was young. She was, I mean, she's got credits that go back to okay. 1958. But that was, let's see, when was that? Please, IMDb, info. It's 1978. Oh, the remake of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Yes, the remake. Okay. With Donald Sutherland. Oh, okay. Jeff Goldblum, not, Leonard Nimoy. Not the original, not yeah. the black and white one. Yeah. That's that's the one I've seen. Yeah, the, the 70s one is actually pretty good. You should watch that one, too. I had my son watch that. He was writing a paper on political themes in uh, Cold War movies. <laughs> so I directed him towards the, the first invasion of the Body Snatchers. But I was like, you can watch the 70s one just for fun. So yeah, I think he enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, fun fact, I actually enjoy the 70s version of King Kong that Peter Jackson hates. I do, too. I actually thought it was halfway decent. Yeah, the the effects in it are pretty good. It, there's just no dinosaurs in it. That's why Peter Jackson doesn't like it. But he fights oh. a giant snake. But, all right, rabbit hole. We've gone down yeah. that again. Um, so, Sorry. anyways, Veronica uh, Cartwright. Veronica Cartwright. Her um, her character is Helen. She has, you know, once more people start coming back to life. One is the the pastor's old girlfriend who had killed herself because he was getting too serious. <laughs> and it turns out that she was pregnant at the time that she died. So when she comes back to life, she's still pregnant. So the pastor tells his wife about this. And Helen kind of figures out something else is going on. Veronica Cartwright's character. So she manipulates the pastor's wife into revealing all this. And stands up in the middle of a big Sunday morning service when you know people are kind of freaking out and asking questions like, why are people coming back to life? And she points at the old girlfriend has come back to life and say, isn't it true that you've been hiding her and she's pregnant? And, and I think I, I'm going to, I'm going to cut you off right there <laughs> because I think you totally just summed up even in one episode, what my problem with the show was. What's that? Perfectly for a show about people coming back to life. It's not a show about people coming back to life. It's about people bickering about their problems. Ah, uh, yeah. And Kurtwood Smith and the sheriff, who was used to be the secretary of the Navy on NCIS. Yes. Uh, the, the little boy comes back and there, there was another man with your wife. She, she was sleeping with him. I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't want you to know. And you never would have found out if our dead son hadn't come back. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. 
why is this a show about who's sleeping with who? Why isn't it about the philosophical questions? Why isn't the show deeper? And, and it's not, it, it doesn't, it doesn't ask the question, well, why are these people coming back? Yeah. How are they coming back? Who, who is behind this? They don't ask any of those questions. Because there, there's, there's like a, uh, because there's melodrama to be had. Yeah, there's a doctor from Baltimore who shows up and he's trying to find a cure for his leukemia and thinks that these people coming back to life might have, you know, something in their bodies that do that. But they don't ask, well, where are these people coming from? How is, you know, how is this happening? Who they just, well, well, let's round them up and study them. The the mystery is not in the supernatural. The mystery is in who's the guy the dead lady was banging. Yes. I don't care. Tell me how people are yeah. coming back to life. Yeah, they don't. They don't ever do that. And the show ends on a cliffhanger um, because, like, a, like in the last two episodes, like a ton of people start coming back. And What's the cliffhanger? Well, there's a family that shows up, an African American family who died in a flood, and they're like, oh, "We need to find our son. He has a crescent moon birthmark on the back of his neck." And oh, like, oh, oh! Don't yes. tell. Yes, yes, <laughs> you're right. Everybody knew who it was. Everyone watching the show knows who it was. Yes. The uh, federal agent from out of town. Yes, Omar Epps. Oh. Yeah. Oh, God. So, because that's, again, spoiler alert, they, they show that's, that's the last thing. He's trying to get Jacob out of town because the military has come in, and they're because the sheriff's dead wife had come back, and the first thing she says to him is like, I think we should see other people. <laughs> and, this, and this pisses him off, so he's, like, going to round up all the the returned people and get his revenge on his wife by, I don't know, putting him in a cage and shipping him out of town. I don't know. But then the military comes in, and the things really go to pot. And and uh, so Omar Epps is trying to get take Jacob out of town. And then a whole bunch of cars show up and surround him in a helicopter – and as he turns around, you see the birthmark on the back of his neck. I'm like, well, of course, we saw that coming. We're like five miles away. So it's like they saw how good the crappy Sleepy Hollow did, and they yeah. rushed this. You know what? What mediocre yeah. quasi supernatural thing can we rush onto the air? Yeah. So it it you know it's based on a book. And yeah, it is quasi supernatural because they don't do any explaining, and that kind of—I mean, even though like a good portion of this takes place within a church and with church people, none of them say, "Oh, wow, this might be the second coming." You know, our God is a God of resurrection. Isn't this an awesome thing? And Every- for crying out loud, they at least do that in Ghostbusters. Yes, yes. You know, look at uh, Dan Aykroyd. He's a UFO fanatic, and even he's like quoting the Bible in that movie. And in this one, there's there's none of that going on. It's all like... Do you know know why? Because this show is crap. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? I think you're right. Now that I think about it. (laughs) All right. So, yeah, there's no... In a a show called Resurrection, the religious aspect is more about bad church politics and, you know, that whole stuff with, like, like Helen and the pastor that was going on, I've seen that happen in a church. So that is that is a good kind of drama that I've not seen represented on TV before. But like you said, the show should be more about the dead people coming back to life. And then, you get that in the first episode, 
and the last episode, and in the middle, it's, like you said, melodrama. All right, so what's your final verdict? I, I think I just said mine. Yeah, mine is, uh, I don't think I'm going to waste my time on the second season, because they're probably going to try and do the lost thing by stringing you along with more questions and no answers, and I can't oh, go through yeah, that again. I didn't even, I, I've never watched Lost, so I didn't even, you're right, this is... I can't do that anymore. Lost Light. Yes, it is. It is. Sedman Island, you have a little town, and it, yeah. no, I'm not doing that again. And once the polar bears <laughs> start showing up, it's like, forget it. So. All right, so good, uh, good discussion. Uh, what do we have on tap for the next episode? Well, for next episode, I thought maybe we could do another double feature. Since we're talking about resurrection, maybe we could uh, turn our attention once again to the end of the world. Looking at the recent comedies... This is the end, which was very popular, and uh, is out now on DVD and Blu-ray. And Rapture Palooza, which is not very popular, not very popular. and went very quickly to DVD and Blu-ray. Yeah, and it's actually on Netflix, so you could watch it for ah. free. Okay, that sounds good. I've been actually been meaning to see both of those. Yes, and this will be some good research and development for us as well. So. We'll know how to prepare for the, the end of the world. Yes. Well, I was thinking about our book. <laughs> but yeah. are, are, we, are we prepared to talk about the book? Oh, we've talked about it before. Um, I made an announcement. Okay. Uh, like a year and a half ago. But uh, now, that, now that I've graduated... Oh, yeah, that's some news. Um, I recently graduated with my Master's of Arts in Theological Studies. So I am qualified now to run this podcast in the immortal <laughs> words of bender b rodriguez bow before your new master <laughs> uh, that's why i love you mike <laughs> I, I i know i think that wraps things up here on our end so until next time this is robert saying keep the faith and mike saying peace out peace out